Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, come on. Welcome back. What a great time in God's presence. I don't know about you, but we just had a powerful time of worship here. I want to just say a huge thanks to Pastor James and Kyle and Courtney for leading us today. Come on, welcome to Love City Church. We're so glad you're here. Um, You know, as I said, I'd love to be with you in person, uh, but this is the second best. I get to be in your home. And uh, just thanks for letting us come in and and be with you today. Um, Before we get into the Word, I want to just share a couple of couple of things with you here uh, before we get there. Let me just pull it up here. But I want to um, just remind you about something uh, that you already know, but I just want to make sure everybody knows uh, this reality that we will have no in-person gatherings for the remaining Sundays of the year. Sad face. Um, but we're gonna be, it's going to be great. We'll have a Live 9 o'clock uh, and 11, I'm sorry, 9.30 and 11 o'clock service every Sunday um, right here. And then also on Christmas Eve, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service uh, that is just a really great family time together. And then on the 27th, we're having a church at home feel where uh, my, my family and Alana, I'm sorry, James and Alana, not just Alana, James will be there too. <laughs> uh, the, 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 their family and uh, Pastor Jesse, and we'll just kind of have like a staff and maybe some of the lead team just to together, just to come into your home. We're going to celebrate what God's done in 2020 and I look forward to 2021. So it's going to be super fun. Also, we have our Christmas giveaway. We are partnering with Hope Mission and uh, it's so great. They're doing a great job. We've given them a bunch of money this year, but we also wanted to partner with them by way of, um, by way of Christmas gifts. And so uh, if you'd like more information on that, you can uh, email admin at lovecitychurch.ca. My wife will get that. Uh, if you want to drop them by today, you can uh, for the next hour and a half or so. Uh, Pastor Jesse will be here and then next week my wife will be here again. But bring, bring by those gifts and we want to make sure that Hope Mission gets those. And last but certainly not least today, this will be our second year giving towards the Heart for the House offering. Last year, you guys gave, uh, uh, our whole church gave $22,000 to invest back into our church for the next year. And so we're taking a, an offering together, Heart for the House offering, that will go into investing back into the house for 2021. We're going to invest in the worship ministry. We're going to invest into our kids and our youth ministry. Come on, we're going to invest in our building fund and several other areas. And so we ask you to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit uh, what He wants you to give. I know my wife and I are doing the same thing. What does God want want you to give to that, and we'll just make a, a, an offering, an investment into Love City Church. You can do that any Sunday in December, and uh, you can just as designate that on the drop-down box on the giving page uh, to Heart for the House. So come on, let's get into the Word today. I'm so excited about this series that we've been in, and I just want to tell you today, I just believe that there is something supernatural about this Word that I'm sharing with you today. Now, every Word of God is powerful and active and living, but I just really feel in my heart that there's, there's, uh, there's something God wants to do in your finances and in your life uh, in 2021, or even right now in your life. Uh, and I just believe there's something supernatural here about this. The Bible gives us very clear instruction on how to develop a financial biblical margin in our life. And it gives us instruction that helps us with freedom. It brings contentment. It brings godliness. It brings enjoyment. It brings satisfaction. And God wants us to begin to steward our finances so that you and I can experience, I believe, the abundant life that God wants for us. And so we're going to talk today about a powerful, powerful, powerful tool in which God teaches us through his word how to create this margin in our lives. And I mean, as I mentioned last week, if you think about it for a minute, everything that we do in our life, everything that we do in our life is about uh, money. 
Uh, it's about, you know, we get up and go to work for money. We choose uh, uh, our house. To live in a house, you need money. To eat food, you need money. To do different things, you need money. Money, money drives our lives. And so many different things that we choose in our life is all about money. And so we need to recognize that when we choose to pursue money with our lives, the reality is, is that it's just a regular part of life. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We just all do that. And so money is a, is a clear part of our life. And the Bible is trying to teach us how to manage this money in a way where we are spirit-led, not led by mammon, not led by the spirit of mammon like we talked about last week. And so I want to help you understand this today, that, that if we spend uh, time today talking about this idea of, of margin from God's word, it's because I don't believe many of us have been taught how to biblically steward and manage our money. And so that's why we started this series, Creating Margin. And it allows us to see God's provision in our life. And so Jesus wanted to teach us how to create this margin of finances in our life. And, and he talked about this. He talked about the kingdom of God. And then he talked about money more than any other topic in all the Bible. Actually, 50% more than he talked about hell. So money's a big deal to Jesus. It's a big deal to God. And if you look at, through the word, the, the, the theme on money, it's, it's investments and indebtedness and releasing property and capital inheritance and debt cancellation and giving to the poor. And all throughout scripture, we see that money was a huge part of what the Bible talks about, what Jesus teaches about. And Jesus wants to deal with this area of money in our lives. Why? Because there's a competing spirit. The reality is we learned last week, there's two spirits at work. There's a spirit of God and there's a spirit of mammon. And the spirit of mammon is all throughout the world. In fact, Jesus talked about it last week. We, we referenced it, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. So he identifies there's two masters and two masters alone. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or the spirit of God and the spirit of mammon. We talked about last week. It doesn't, doesn't have an in-between. There's no neutral ground, middle ground, where I'm not really serving the spirit of man, and I'm not really serving the servant of God, and I'm kind of in-between. No, no, there's only one option. It's either we're surrendering the spirit of God with our finances, or we're surrendering to the spirit of mammon. You cannot do both. It's only one or the other. And Jesus takes this very, very seriously. And he wants us to understand that this idea of finances in our life is such a big deal. And it's such a God idea and such a biblical reality for us that you and I can experience this crazy, abundant life. Paul was teaching in 1 Timothy to Timothy. And he was trying to help Timothy uh, be encouraged, to have courage to teach about finances. Because it gets a little sticky sometimes as a pastor talking about finances. So Paul was saying, OK, don't forget to teach on it. And he, he gave him some of the, the, the wins, the values, the impact of when you teach on finances. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and we have clothing, we will be content with that. Verse 17, teach those, Paul says to Timothy, those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly, look at this, gives us all we need, look at that, for our enjoyment. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. For our enjoyment. See, look at the, the biblical idea of finances means that there's godliness, there's contentment, there's joy. You're satisfied. You have all your needs met. There's a trust in the Lord. That's what God wants us to get to. But there's also another side of it. Paul also says to Timothy in these same verses in verse 9, those who want to get rich, look at this, fall into temptation. Those who want to get rich, pursue riches, they, they fall into a trap. 
Look at this. And many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and into destruction. Look what he says in verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have, look at this, wandered from the faith. So here Paul's not just talking about unbelievers. He's not just talking about people who don't know God. He's talking about people who are followers of Jesus may stray from their faith and be pierced themselves with many griefs because we don't even realize that we're being led by the spirit of mammon rather than the spirit of God. Here he's saying, listen, you've got to teach people. So I come to you today with boldness in what I want to share with you today. Why? Because this ain't about me. It's not about Love City Church. I want you to experience a supernatural blessing in your life. And you want to know why I have so much confidence to teach this? Because I don't, we don't take an offering every week. I don't know if you noticed that. We don't take a tithe and offering every week. And you say, well, Ryan, why? Most, most places do. Why don't you? Because the Lord told me in the beginning of our church. He said, Ryan, I'm going to pay for it. If you keep uh, me the center, if you keep being led by the Spirit of God, if you keep following after me, the evidence of that will be that I'm going to bless your finances. And guess what? God's been blessing our finances during the COVID season. Our finances have gone up by 25%. We got zero debt. We got $50,000 in the bank. We, at the end of the year, we'll have given almost $40,000 away. Uh, we can't give money away fast enough. It just keeps coming in. Why? Because the Lord is paying the bills. God is paying for his church and he's prompting you and I to do it. He's speaking to our hearts to be obedient to his word. So I don't need to beg you for money. That's why I'm so excited to share this with you because I have the the opportunity to come to you in confidence, knowing that I don't got any dog in this fight. I believe that God's word teaches us what's best for you and for me in his word when it comes to money. How to live a biblical margin so that you can experience satisfaction, contentment, and joy in your life. Where do most fights come in marriages? Finances. Why do most, most divorces happen? Finances. What do people get most angry about? Finances. What happens about finances? Finances, finances. This huge thing. We're living stress, uh, stressful and frustrated and no joy. Why? It's because God wants to teach us that we can live a content, godly, joyful, satisfied life. He's trying to show us that. And I want you and myself, thank the Lord, <laughs> to experience this breakthrough in your finances. So what we're going to talk about today is this idea, this, this, uh, this practice, this ancient financial practice that's been going on for generations. It's this ancient financial practice teaches us to manage our finances well. So if we look at the people of Israel, the people of God, the, you and I, that was what the representation of, but if you look at what distinguishes the people of Israel from every other nation, it's two specific things. The first thing is monotheism. Monotheism, one God. The belief that there is one God. That is a distinguishing factor between a follower of Christ and many others is that we believe there is one God. But not only that, the distinguishing factor that made the people of Israel differ from other nations was that they put voluntary limits on their wealth. They put voluntary limits. They didn't allow their limits to come from their, their income. They didn't allow their, their, their limits to come from the situation. They put voluntary limits on themselves so that they would not be driven by comparison to others, but they would be driven by generosity. 
they put themselves in a position where they were, where they, where they were allowing themselves to not have an upward scale financial comparison. They did not base their finances on the others around them who made more or did more or had more. They put voluntary limits on themselves to teach them to constantly be generous in their lives. This voluntary idea, this place I call this voluntary, uh, this voluntary limit is the margin. This is the in-between. This is the difference of not being rich and not being poor. It's the just enough, the satisfied all of my needs. This is exactly what God, where God wants us to live, to begin to put voluntary limits on our lives to teach us that I actually don't need, I actually, that's a want and not a need. Yeah. That I don't actually have to have that. I'm going to limit myself in this area. I'm not going to move, just because I can doesn't mean I should. You know, Just because something's permissible does not mean that it's beneficial. And so we realize that teaching ourselves to put voluntary limits on our lives actually trains us in the biblical mindset of creating margin in our lives. This has been practiced for generations. The very first family in the Bible practiced this. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, even Jesus, the disciples, the New Testament church. We see this ancient, uh, historical, biblical financial practice all throughout Scripture. Before the covenant, it was with Abraham. Before the covenant, it was Cain and Abel. In the, in the New Testament, we see it all throughout Scripture where we are taught this financial practice. There is something supernatural. If you can catch this today, that I believe, I'm going to make you a promise. Hello. I'm told I make promises, and I do this when I preach. I make promises. I promise you. I want to make a promise to you that if you consider what I'm sharing with you today, that's a Bible thought. I believe there will be absolute supernatural breakthrough in your finances. I want to make you that promise today. And I say that to you because I, I want you to see breakthrough. I spend a lot of time with a lot of people talking about finances. It's all about money, finances. And I want to tell you, there's a place you can live where you're content where you're satisfied, where you're just thankful that the Lord constantly provides for all your needs. And my prayer is that you and I can get there. Yeah. Amen. We look at this ancient financial practice. This man, Solomon, was the wisest man on the planet. God said, choose anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he says, I want wisdom. So the Bible says that other than Jesus, he was the wisest man on the planet. So the wisest man on the planet who tried everything, who did everything, who pursued everything, came back to one conclusion. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> Nothing matters in life except fearing God, obeying his word, and revering God with my life. Nothing else matters. That was his conclusion. It's a little depressing, Ecclesiastes, but so only read it if it's a sunny day and you're feeling good about yourself. <laughs> but Proverbs 3, Solomon wrote this. Look what he says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So this phrase, honor the Lord, this simply just means in, in the Hebrew, it means glorify God. Glorify God. Bring glory to God. And he says, in, he says with your wealth. Now, this is so fascinating. When I looked at this word, the word wealth means uh, substance. But the actual Hebrew definition of this word wealth is your enough. So it says to glorify God with your enough. It's not saying glorify God with the extra. It's not saying glorify God when the time is right. It's not saying glorify God when you have an, an exorbitant amount of, 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 of a tax increase or whatever. It doesn't, he's not talking about the wealth, the abundance. It says honor God, glorify God with the enough that God provides for you. 
Honor the Lord. Glorify God in your wealth. Look what he says, with the first fruits, the first fruits of your crops, or in our context, with the first fruits of all of your income. So glorify God with all of your enough. Your first, the first of your enough. That's what this is teaching. The wisest man on the planet is giving you and I some of the most, the, the best financial advice we can get. The first of your enough. And see, it gives us a promise. It says that, I promise you that when you do these things, there's a supernatural breakthrough that comes in your life. The first portion unlocks the 90%. The first unlocks the rest, the remaining. And look what it says. Then your barns will be filled to the overflowing. Now notice, this happens after you had already given from your enough. This wasn't, you don't give from this overflow. You don't give from this, remember, you can. We'll talk about that next week, and you're welcome to, hallelujah, if the Holy Spirit prompts you to do so. Come on, somebody. But this is after the fact. Once you give of the first fruit, then you are filled to overflowing. Then it will brim over. Then there will be breakthrough. Then it will be redeemed. Then it will be blessed. It's all about that first fruit reality that the first portion multiplies, redeems, and blesses the rest. So when you and I give the first of our income, the rest of our income is blessed and redeemed by God. This ancient practice that's been happening for generations is called tithing. The Greek and Hebrew word mean the word 10. Now, I'm not going to go into, I don't have time to go in today to the whole depths of this, but I'll give you three different sermons you can refer to. 2017, it's on our SoundCloud or Spotify account or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, all those. You can find it anywhere. It's out there. Uh, 2017, um, our Healthy Church series, week five. Uh, 2018, the change series, I did our first sermon I spoke, I took a little portion on, on giving. And then last year, we did a Blessed Life series, five weeks, and go back and refer to that. It gets a little bit deeper. I encourage you to go listen to that um, because what it'll do is it'll lay the foundation for you. But I want you to understand something that, that all throughout Scripture, we are taught about the tithe. And when you give your first fruits or your tithe of your income, you are redeeming the rest of your finances. Why? Because the first of your crops, your enough, is holy to the Lord. The first of your crops belongs to God. The tenth part is holy. Look what, what Paul says in Romans 11. If the first portion of dough offered is the first fruit, so they would offer a dough, a bread, as the first fruit's offering. It says, if the first portion is holy, well, so is the whole batch. So if the first portion's holy, that means the rest of it will be made holy too. Come on, look what Leviticus 27.30 says. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Okay, so you may have seen this before, but for those who have not, let me just ask you a question. Which of these $10 out of 100 is holy to the Lord? Is it the last 10 when after we pay all of our bills and, you know, we, we go out on dates with our wife or you go out and buy those new shoes or whatever it might be, is it the tent that's holy to the Lord? Or is it the middle once I, I'm at church and I feel compelled to do so? Is it the second when it's like, okay, I got to take care of my, my necessities first? Or is it the first? Right. See, Bible, the Bible teaches us that the first portion is holy to the Lord. 
This is the part that's holy. The, 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 the 20% to the, to the 100%, the 10, to, two to the 10, the rest of it is not the holy part. This is what's holy. This is what belongs to the Lord. This is what's God's. This is what God in his word says is the first fruits of your income. This is holy. And when we give this first part, it causes there to be a redemption on the rest of our money. And you can start living on 90% what many are trying to do on 120. You can start living this biblical margin of 90%, but it all starts with you recognizing that this part belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's. It belongs to Him. We need to understand something today. It belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. So I want you to understand something that the, the 90% isn't holy. The 10% makes it holy. So when you give that first 10%, it redeems the rest. The rest of it's covered. The rest of it's protected. The rest of it's used by his first kingdom. The rest of it goes farther than you could ever go. If you're submitting your life to the Spirit of God, he's going to lead you. And you're going to find that your 90% does far more than you could ever do on 100% to yourself. Like, it's crazy to think that God has, out, has laid out for us since the beginning of the human race a way for you and I to have biblical uh, margin in our life where we only have in our life what we need. We don't live a life of riches and a life of want and a life of wealth. And then listen, if you're here today and you've got a lot of money, it doesn't mean you're bad. You're blessed. You have a gift for that. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to pursue living that life because I know whatever I have on my 90%, that's what God wants me to have. But I live a life of much more than that and I'm only living on 90%. See, God wants you to live a life of breakthrough on less voluntary limits on your wealth in order to be generous with your life. So we need to recognize something today as well. Tithing is not giving. So I, I, I hear people say this all the time. You know, it's time to give. Well, next week we're going to talk about giving. Next week we're going to talk about offering. Spirit-led, spontaneous offering. That's my favorite part. But this is not giving. This is returning. That, that's all it is. It's just returning what belongs to the Lord. You cannot give which, what, which does not belong to you. And this is the difference maker for your finances today. And I need you to hear me. This is the difference maker. Do you believe that all of your money came from and belongs to the Lord? Or do you believe that it belongs to you? Now, do you believe that, okay, God just, God gave me this, maybe some of the skill, but I kind of went out and got that job and I, I got that promotion and I have that money. So this is a difference maker for you in your relationship with your money. Because if your money is, is yours and not the Lord's, it doesn't really matter what God thinks about my money. It doesn't really matter how I spend my money. It doesn't really matter what I do with my money. It just means that like I get to live how I want and when I feel compelled or my emotions are, are hit by God in some way, or I want to give, I give out of my money when I feel like it. But if you believe that everything in the world belongs to the Lord and that every cent belongs to God, this makes you a steward of what God has given you, which if you re read the Bible, you'll see that all throughout Scripture we hear about stewardship. You know, he gave 10, 5, and 1. All throughout Scripture, we talk about how God gives you gifts. He gives you blessing. He gives you things. I believe what Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it 
the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established on the water. Just my belief, and I believe it's a biblical belief, everything belongs to the Lord. Every cent in my bank account belongs to God. And if it belongs to the Lord, he's only asking me to give the first part. He says, it's all mine, but I'm actually going to let you have it all. But I'm just asking you to return to me one thing. The first part, the tithe, the 10%. You can, you can, he, he says, you can live your life on the 90%, but guess what's going to happen? This is the great part, is that when I give that first part, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to speak to me on how to spend my money. I used to want to live that way, and now I don't. I don't need those things more. Why? Because I realize it doesn't satisfy my needs. I, I used to want that bigger home or the nicer car, this thing, or I wanted to drive that A6, whatever, that Audi A6. Come on, somebody. Hello. I'm, 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 it's conviction over on the seats over here. It's conviction. <laughs> Just kidding. Maybe one day, Lord, bless him. Next week, we'll talk about that. Just kidding. What this does for your life is, is that it creates margin enough for you to realize I am a steward of every single dollar God gives me. I am being led by the Spirit of God and that he will only provide for me what I need. I don't have to carve anything out. I don't have to pursue riches. And what happens is in my life is, is that I'm satisfied. See, this is where a test lies for all believers. Now, if you did a study, which you go back to the Blessed Life series, you'll hear me talk about this. If you go back and study the word 10 all throughout Scripture, most of the cases where there's the usage of 10 or tithe, a test is attached to it. The word 10 and test are all throughout scripture tied together. There is something supernatural about this word 10, the 10th, the tithe, the first part. And what comes with it is a test. Every believer experiences this test. And I get it. This is hard. If you've never done this before, trust me, I get the daunting reality of tithing. I get it. Now, I've been doing tithing since I was a young boy because my father taught me this principle, and I'm so thankful for that. So it's been something I've done for a long time, but sometimes my heart isn't engaged, and it. it's just about kind of religion. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want you to say today that, that yes, it's hard, and it's a test. And you say, it's obedience to God, and it's obedience to his word, and it's a trust that God, God, God gave, blessed us, and we're steward of his finances. And he's asking us back for one thing. But here's the reality, and this is the, 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 the biggest part that I wanted to communicate with you today. The reason most people say, I can't tithe, I can't afford to tithe, and my response is, I, I know you can't. I, I know there's times in my life where I could. And the reason is, is because many of us are in crazy amounts of debt. And the reality is this. Many of us have lots of debt. Now, I'm not saying using debt or using credit cards or line of credits to, you know, ladder, you know to position yourself is, is, a, is a bad thing. You know, we used it to do a, a remodel in our house last year. We paid it off, hallelujah. Uh, or we, we've used a credit card to get the points. We pay it off every month. So hear me. I'm not saying those things are, are bad. I'm just saying that many of us carry debt in our life. In fact, CBC News just came out with a report in June of 2020 that Canadians now owe $1.77 for every dollar that they have to spend. So a large amount of people in Canada don't, are not living within 100%. A large majority of people in Canada are living beyond, the 10, or beyond their 100%. So many of us are living all the way to 10 
Our lifestyle is 10. You make, you spend, you make, you spend. You're never in a place. Have you ever felt that? You're never in a place where like, oh, I just feel like the financial waters are rising and I can never just get ahead. Many of us are living on the 110%, on the 120%, and we're leveraging debt in order to get the lifestyle that we want to live. What, what, what we talked about last week is that there's a pursuit of riches. There's a desire to have more stuff when in reality, we can't afford it. And in fact, what people don't realize is that when we live on 110, 120, 130% of debt, 30% more than what we make, we're actually poor. We're not rich. We're not wealthy. We are indebted to the lender. And we find that our lives are actually poor. And the Bible says that when we feel like we're poor, we say, God, where are you? God, why aren't you helping me? God, why aren't you leading me? Why aren't you guiding me? It's because we made decisions to put ourselves in a position where we're living above 100% of what we make. See, I want you to hear something today. I know I'm talking to people today. And I know that many of us live here. And in this place, this is where we lack contentment. This is where we lack joy. This is where we either are pursuing the riches or we're poor. We don't even realize that we're actually strapped and we can't. This is why we can't tithe because we literally can't afford it. And so what God wants to teach us through this biblical principle is to begin to limit our, our, our spending and limit how we do our, see our money. God, it's your money. And you want to voluntary limits to get us in a place where we're, where, where, where we're only spending what we have. And then the goal is to reduce that down to 90% so that now you give that 10% to the Lord. You honor God with your wealth. He redeems a 90%. And this is where you have just enough to satisfy your needs. This is where there's godliness and contentment and satisfaction and enjoyment and all your needs are met and there's complete provision. You're living 120% life on 90%. See, this, there's something supernatural that clicked me. I was having coffee with Andrew here. It just clicked in my mind. Oh my gosh, God has been giving us a biblical uh, uh, financial strategy since the beginning of time on how to have margin and be generous. Can you imagine right now living your life on 90%? How about 88%? How about 85%? How about 80%? How about, no, I was kidding. Imagine that. You only spend 80% of what you make and you live in a beautiful home. Now I'm not, you know, hear me. For those of you like, I'm waiting for the prosperity gospel. I'm not going to say it, you give it, you get it. That's not my heart because this isn't about money. This is about you recognizing that God provides for what you need. Well, I need more money. No, you don't. You just need to let God redeem what you already got. Because what he'll do is he'll let you see, oh, I actually don't need that. I'm okay with this. I'm all right living in this smaller home or maybe I don't need to drive that $90,000 truck and I can drive a truck that's not as much or maybe I don't need to do this or maybe I don't need to do that. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying maybe God hasn't called you to have them. And that's the realization I came to. I've lived, my wife and I have lived on 90%. You say, well, Ryan, does that mean I'll have financial prosperity? Well, in the last several years, I, I've had foreclosure. My house, my first home sold on the bank steps for 110000 and I paid two thirty. dollars Foreclosure. I filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy when I was in the States. 
I had to do a short sale on my home, my second home. So Ryan, where's God in that? That had nothing to do with God. That had to do with my poor decisions and choosing to live at 120% of my life. So even though I was tithing, I was still living beyond my means. And I wasn't tithing because my heart was engaged. I was tithing because I knew I had to. And see, God wants to teach us there's something supernatural. If you can recognize that this first 10% belongs to the Lord, it is holy to God. He will redeem your 90% so that you can live the life that God wants you to live on the 90% of your life. So, okay. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Ryan, the New Testament doesn't teach on tithing. Now, I want you to hear me today. Jesus didn't need to teach on tithing. He was teaching to a predominantly Jewish context where he was around people who it was the Mosaic law to give 10 to 28%. So even the, the youngest of children there were tithing. Everyone was tithing because it was the culture. Their Jewish culture taught them that you have to tithe. And so all of these people were tithing. That's why Jesus came and said, I don't want your money. I want your heart. He says, I don't want 10%. I don't want 20%. I want everything. I want your heart. I want your mind. I want your soul. I want your strength. I want your finances. I don't want 40%. I don't want 23%. I want 100% of your heart. So you say, Ryan, where is it in Scripture in the New Testament where, where, God, where, where we hear about tithing? Listen, the reason Jesus didn't teach on it is because he's teaching to a Jewish context who didn't need to be taught on it. But I want to show you a Scripture where Jesus gives us a clear understanding of what tithing looks like in our New Testament church. Matthew 22, or I'm sorry, 23, 23. When sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice, mercy, and faith. Come on, Pharisees. You're so concerned about the legalistic idea of tithing that you just don't even worry about compassion and justice. And your heart isn't engaged, Jesus says. All you care about is keeping the law. All you care about is religion and legalism. And Jesus here is saying, come on, engage your heart. Give your heart. I don't just want your money. I don't want just your practices. I don't want sacrifices and offerings. I want your heart. But Jesus continues. He says this, so you should tithe, yes. Now, if this was the only account in all of the Bible that used the word tithe, I would do it because Jesus said it. Jesus said it, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. He's saying this, do both. Give 100% of your heart to him. Give 100% of your life to Him. Be willing to give as much as God asks you to give. Be willing to do as much as God asks you to do. But don't forget, there is a biblical principle that has been laid out for you and I since the foundations of the world to have margin in our life so that we can experience godliness and contentment and joy and satisfaction and provision and we can live a life of abundance. And people say, how do you live the kind of life you live on the money that you make? And you say, well, I learned the principle, the biblical principle of honoring the Lord with my wealth. I put him first in my life. 
Every cent belongs to him. And all he asked me to do is return just the first part. And he blesses and he redeems and he transforms and he changes my mindset. And now I'm more generous than I've ever been. And every year I say, okay, let's take it down another percent. Come on, let's take it down at another percent this year. Amen. Come on, one more percent, just a half a percent. God, I want to be able to give more this year. Come on, I want to give more to people in need. I want to give more to persecuted Christians across the world. I want to give more to orphans and more to widows and more to the hungry. I want to give more. God, I don't want to give less. I want to give more. So God, help us to be people who lower the percentage of our living so we can be magnificently generous to a dying and a hurting world and help Christians across the world who are being persecuted for their faith. There is something supernatural here. I want to end, and then we'll, I'll let you go here. I want to read this again. From the wisest man on the planet. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Glorify God with your enough. With the first fruits of your income. Then, then your barns will be filled. Then your vats will brim over. Now, I know we're talking about money here today, but I want you to take your eyes off of money for one minute. I believe that this verse is more about what's going to happen in your heart than it's going to happen in your bank account. He wants you to experience overflow. He wants you to experience the brimming over of joy, contentment, satisfaction in God, godliness. He wants you to experience these things in your life. And it starts by just saying, okay, God, I trust that everything I have is yours. I trust that you're going to provide for me. And I'm going to stop being led by the spirit of mammon. I'm going to start being led by the spirit of God. And I'm going to take my hands off my finances. And I'm going to trust in you, that you own a cattle on a thousand hill. And you will provide for all of my needs. And guess what he likes to do? He says, all right, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your heart. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to bless your bank account. I'm going to bless your finances. I'm going to bless your marriage. I'm going to bless you in the powerful name of Jesus. Let me pray for you today. Lord, we just pray today. And Father, as we talk about this hard topic of money and finances, Lord, that every person here today, God, who's had a bad experience, Lord, they've come into a, a season of their life where they felt like they wanted to give and you prompted them, God, and they began to be obedient to your word. And just they had a bad experience. Let them know today, God, that Father, when we give our money, we're giving it to you. We're giving it to your kingdom. We're giving it to your heart. We're giving it to your life. God, we're doing it to honor and worship you. I pray for every financial challenge during this season. I pray for every person who's uh, fighting in their marriages or difficulties in their lives. Would you bless them, God? Would you give them the wisdom to get out of the debt position they're in and get to a strategic, biblical place of margin in their life? Give them wisdom. Give them partnership. Give them help, God. Help them to join our FPU we're going to do next year, God, and to read the books and to listen to the podcast. But Lord, most of all, we pray that you would change their heart in the powerful name of Jesus. Let their hearts be fully surrendered to you. And Lord, let us be focused on not only compassion, but also giving you what belongs to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.